This is Organic Life, a podcast for those interested in eating and living in a healthier, more sustainable way. A way that works with nature instead of against it. But nature itself is anything but simple, is it? In the first two episodes, we've been hearing from three organic farmers, Bridey, Rosie and Bruce. So let's kick this one off by finding out some of the biggest challenges they face in what they do. Yeah, well, they can be many and various, you know, um, adverse weather, too too much water, too much rain, too little rain. Um, I mean, these are kind of the normal things. Pests can be quite a problem for us. I mean, things like deer, rabbits, uh, pigeons. Um, yeah, these are all, I mean, they're, they're the stuff of any other growers, but I mean, these are these are challenges for us. Some of the pests which people otherwise would normally spray for, we have to use uh, crop covers to preclude them, with, like keep out the carrot, carrot root fly or cabbage root fly. We use a sort of fine mesh we put over the over the crop. So that's that takes time and energy to do all that sort of thing. Sometimes just having enough produce to to keep to keep us our demand supplied, and other times it's. Uh, we have surpluses and trying to sell them, you know, so it's trying to match supply and demand. That's often the big one. There's quite a lot of challenges. I think being a small scale farmer is probably one of the more challenging things you can do in Scotland. Um, the seasonal aspect is a huge part of it. So up behind us, we've got these hills and um, we can't grow much here in the winter. So we are a really seasonal farm and our main production season is from June until December. That's when we'd actually be selling crops. So um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges, the weather in Scotland, and also the lack of support for small-scale farming. It's certainly been a very steep learning curve and quite an uphill battle for us. Uh, We started with very limited experience, um, but lots of enthusiasm. Uh, And uh, we started on the field and it was a field of barley when when we first got it. And we started for the, the first season, we rented just the space for one polytunnel because the estate still needed to harvest their crop of barley. Um, and and then kind of after that season, we, we got the full, full eight, five acres that we had kind of planned with the estate. But we have... And no electricity, we didn't have a water supply, there weren't any buildings. Uh, so it was really kind of starting starting from nothing. And um, we didn't, you know, take out any loans or or we didn't, you know, have a lot of capital to invest in, in the business. Um, so we started, you know, with one poly- polytunnel and some hand tools. And and then it was just a matter of trying to, you know, get a little bit of momentum and invest in the business as we started to turn over some some money from vegetables. So that's that's been a struggle for us is is wanting to run a business without um, having you know debt hanging over our heads. Um, and it's been a question of growing, growing slowly, um, but slowly and steadily. We have lots of challenges with the weather. We have a very windy site, so wind and polytunnels is, is always a struggle that we're going to face. Uh, the, you know, the, never knowing what exactly the weather is going to do. You know, this March we have 
I've had some amazing warm sunny days and but last year everything was under snow at this at this time last year so it's uh you you're constantly uh, adjusting to to new situations and and new challenges because we choose not to use chemicals then you are faced with a lot more pests and diseases and if something were to happen to a crop then you would need to maybe rely on something else to, to replace that. Um, we're really lucky because last year we started running a CSA scheme, which is community supported agriculture. So at the beginning of each season, then we get our customers to actually become a member of the farm um, and they pay for a share in our harvest to help us at the time of year when we have the least income. And part of their responsibility of doing that is that they they take a share in the risks and rewards of farming. So they'll get a veg box for five months of the year. And because we have so much biodiversity, they'll always have lots of uh, different things in it. But if something fails, then they might not have that in their box. For example, last year was a bad year for tatties. So um, that they'll get more of something else. So I think that's something that's really helped us overcome those challenges of being an organic farmer. Science, technology and the development of agriculture allows us to have access to any type of fruit or veg anywhere in the world and at any time of year. But it wasn't always this way. And there's thoughts among some that seasonal eating might be a more natural approach for our biology. After all, we'd been doing that for hundreds of thousands of years before now. It's a nice thought, but is it practical, especially from the point of view of actually growing the food all year round? I think I, I already touched on this by saying that's probably one of our number one challenges is being a truly seasonal organic farmer, especially in Scotland, because there's maybe six months of the year where you can't actually grow very much. And um, as, as a farm, we don't really buy anything in. So we, everything that we sell is grown here on the farm. So that does make, yeah, the seasons are, are very determining for what we can actually do here. I think people like the idea of eating seasonally. And it is, I think it is something that we're naturally adapted to. You know, this time of year, just coming into spring, then all the nettles are starting to come up and all the leafy green crops are growing on our farm. And, you know, that's really nourishing for people to have after supposedly having a winter of eating swedes and parsnips and kale. Um, you know, you're getting all that fresh nutrition. But because of the way that the world is, people have access to peppers and courgettes all year round. So a lot of our customers will say that they're happy to have a veg box of uh, kale, sweet potatoes all winter. But actually, when it comes down to it, it is very challenging to eat that way when you're surrounded by all this other choice and variety. Any advice for, uh, you know, somebody, somebody like me who just fancies growing some of their own fruit and veg in the garden? You know, what, what sort of things should I be aware of? Should I even bother? Oh, definitely, yes. No, it's de definitely worthwhile, even if it only makes you appreciate how hard it is and uh, what, a, what a good deal it is when you go to my shop and buy it. But, um, you know, get yourself a wee plot of ground. I mean, if you can start a compost heap, that's a good good thing to do. Even just raising seedlings on your windowsill and then planting out, you know, wee cabbage plants or lettuces or whatever. Go out at night and pick off the slugs because they're the things, first things that are going to get your crops and... Um, it's certainly worthwhile doing. 
Oh, I would definitely encourage people to go down that route. It's such a rewarding experience. Um, you know, especially if you have kids, it's a great thing to do with kids to get them really interested in in what they eat and and uh, willing to to eat more vegetables, <laughs> which is really good. And uh, you know, nothing compares to homegrown produce that you can immediately bring into your kitchen and cook up. And it's, you know, exciting as well because you do have, you know, you can grow round carrots or purple carrots or, or you know, these more unusual things that you're not necessarily going to find in the supermarket. So it can really open, you know, new avenues to explore in, in your kitchen and connect you more with your natural environment and with the seasons. And it's, yeah, great thing to do. What are sort of the most rewarding aspects of your, your job and your business? I think seeing everything go from seed to seed. So this time of year, then I, all I'm doing is the propagation aspect. So I'm sowing lots of seeds, I'm pricking things out, getting all the, the new plants ready. And then throughout the season, you see that go to completion and you get to actually eat the fruits of your labour and see other people in your community enjoying them as well. How important is a uh, community and what you do up here? Oh, it's it's really important, and it's you know lovely being in a place where we have these three organic farms in a in a you know close radius of of you know just a mile. We were like, for example, yeah, Bruce came and did some rotating for us just yesterday, and we are able to you know uh, buy and sell from each other and help each other out with you know a bit of equipment when necessary and and uh and also having connections with the community who are going to be your customers as well um is fantastic we've had the local food works project here in Falkland so there's been a, a weekly farmers market and cookery courses and community meals and that's just been lovely to be able to kind of show the community what we have to offer. I think it's extremely important. Yeah, we're really lucky in Falkland to have a really strong local community and even though there's four organic farms here we still manage to do quite well um, because there's a lot of community support and I think the, the more connected a community is to their local farmer then that's you know that's much better and much stronger um, for the future of the food system. For somebody listening to this in a different region, maybe even a different country, what are some of the steps they could take? What's the advice you've got for them if they decide that they want to eat more organic produce? Um, well, you know, uh, home delivery veg boxes are a sector that's that's really growing. Um, and that's, you know, a great, easy way to get a constant supply of, you know, local uh, organic vegetables. And, I mean, it does kind of require some some skills in the kitchen and and having you know a willingness to you know have a box of veg that you don't exactly know what's going to come every week and but it's a great opportunity to you know get creative and uh you know that's you know it's a wonderful resources that we have you know for um, you know most parts of the country and it's you know going to farmers markets you know getting the chance to you know meet meet the producers face to face and and explore what's in what's in your area well i mean there's a lot more organic fruit and veg appearing in supermarkets now but i think one of the best ways to really purchase organic fruit and veg and have a closer connection to your farmer um, which is better for the farmer as well is um, looking for something like a veg box scheme 
it's very easy now to find veg box schemes in the UK and your local farmers market as well. That's another easy way to to find your, your local farmers and organic produce. As another episode draws to a close, let's touch on some of the bigger picture stuff. There's undoubtedly a tension between the organic approach and the non-organic approach because food is a multi-billion dollar industry. This puts enormous pressure on farmers and growers to produce food and protect their livelihoods. And looking to the future, it's hard to imagine the current situation is in any way sustainable. The organic goal to have a self-sustaining system where you're not buying in inputs is is not what the agricultural industry wants to see. They don't want to see farmers who are completely self-sufficient and aren't buying pesticides, aren't buying fertilizers, aren't aren't buying seeds. And so it's, you know, these two ways of thinking are at complete opposite ends of the the spectrum and and the economics of one does not work with the economics of of the other uh and and it's it's so unfortunate that you know there are so many countries where until you know quite recently farms were completely self-sustaining you know even in terms of seed you know they'd save their own seeds they would have animals to to create the fertility that they needed for the farm and farmers were never in debt now we see in india this huge spike in in farmer suicides because the big agricultural companies have come in say we'll we'll give you this this seed, this fertilizer, your your yields will expand massively, and you'll pay us back next season. So then then they're in debt, and then you know we're working in nature. Something goes wrong with the weather. Something happens. They don't make the money they're expected to do, and then and then they're stuck in debt to these these massive global agricultural companies, and uh, it's it's just so so sad. Once you go down that road. It's so hard to get back to where you were, where you didn't ever need any of that in the first place. So I guess your job, um, it's an educator as well as, you know, doing what you do, creating the stuff that you're creating. You're also an educator, aren't you? An advocate. Absolutely. And that's something that we would love to have, you know, more opportunities to do. It's like, I think... You know, at the moment, we're a small farm. We do a small veg box scheme. We we do our... our um, catering for events but we really have ambitions to to you know be a lot more than that and to reach out further and and you know speak about why why we do what we do and you know be in the business of of changing minds and help people you know eat in a way that's more healthy for them and more healthy for for the planet You've been listening to Organic Life, a podcast for those interested in eating and living in a healthier, more sustainable way. A way that works with nature instead of against it. You'll find links to Meadow Sweet Organics, Pillars of Hercules and Falkland Kitchen Farm in the show notes over on our website, organiclife.me. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you on the next one. 